Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. A really exciting episode today. Uh, I'm joined by the co-founder of an extremely popular, um, useful, and... I guess, game-changing training app called Team Builder. Now, I've been using the Team Builder app now for a couple of years. Um, some of you may have even done some of my programs through the Team Builder app. You know, those that are listening that are in a professional sporting environment, you've most likely used the Team Builder app before. We're going to talk about the uh, the app in today's episode um, with Hewitt. But uh, this is a chat that I thoroughly enjoyed. I've, I'm obviously extremely... Um, interested in training and programming and and something that I think separates a good uh, or an extremely good and exceptional um, strength coach and a mediocre or maybe subpar strength coach um, programming and I think anything that's going to help a client or an athlete really streamline their training and make it accessible as possible um, and as easy as possible to access their training and keep them accountable is going to be a good thing. So um, if you haven't used the Team Builder app before, um, I'd highly re- recommend checking it out. As I said, a, a number of my programs are on the Team Builder app, but it is a pleasure to be uh, to be speaking with the co-founder of Team Builder today, Hewitt Tomlin. Um, so Hewitt, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you on, man. Obviously, just before I hit that record button, I mentioned how much I... I love the Team Builder app and the software and how much it's helped me and, and my clients. It's really helped me be able to deliver the programming to my clients that they need in, in such an accessible way. And I mentioned that in the intro as well. So, man, I'd love to kind of just get stuck straight into it and, and get you to, to tell us all kind of how the concept come about, um, whether it was, you know, it was always the goal to, to build a training app um, or whether it just, yeah, like what was this, the backstory behind it to, to bring it to where it is today? Well, first off, I, I appreciate the, the kind words. Um, so when we started the app, we originally started it specifically for collegiate strength and conditioning here in the States. Yep. Uh, so anyone familiar with U.S. sports knows that um, we have our, our big colleges, right? And those are not uh, too dissimilar from the pro teams. They have a lot of resources, a lot of coaches, a lot of money, and they don't, they don't have to pay their players. <laughs> um, yeah. James and I were not at that level. We played, not a bad, uh, not a bad business model. <laughs> no, not a bad business model at all. Let's let's go ahead and obviously you can tell I'm not going to mince words here. Um, so James and I did not play at that level. <clears throat> we played. Uh, James is my partner. We played at a, a smaller level called Division Three, and um, still competitive, but um, not as endowed. So um, we had one strength coach who was programming for all the athletes, and and football um, l- like sports that you're familiar with. Uh, the the demands of the sport vary by position, mm. but we were all doing the same strength and conditioning program. And I think after a while, we started to ask ourselves, why was it that a senior in one position, uh, you know, an experienced veteran was doing the same workouts as a beginner in a yeah. different position? And we found that the coaches were having logistical trouble writing programs quickly and effectively. Uh, it just so happened that my partner, James, was a talented developer. And I was talented at talking to people, i.e. sales. Um, so we decided that, hey, but why don't we try to build a system that was better than Excel 
for this collegiate strength coach and make their job easier per se. Mm. Well, when we went down that rabbit hole, we, long story short, we found out that it was more than just college strength coaches that were struggling with this dilemma. And creating an app was an opportunity to make the system more user-friendly for the coach, but also the athletes as well. Mm. Awesome. And so, th- so that initial idea, I guess the light bulb moment that you wanted to create a product that's going to deliver service a lot easier to not only um, athletes, but clientele and for the coaches as well. How quickly from the idea to, I guess, launching, did it come about and did it kind of take off as quickly as what you expected it to? Um, a no and no. It was slow uh, mm-hmm. on both accounts. Um, we, we actually did the right thing without knowing it by going directly to a strength coach yep. and, and kind of asking them for feedback as we built. We didn't seek investors. We didn't seek advisors. You know, yeah. all these third parties that sometimes make their way into business pursuits. We didn't really bother with them. And that really made for a simple relationship. Us, the product builders, and our supposed customer. Uh, but it took a while. It, it took years and years before we really, um, you know, made any any amount of substantial money. Um, we actually did not decide to fundraise, meaning raise capital to yeah. pursue our business. And the reason we did that was, as we felt like as soon as we started raising capital, we put like a finite timeline on our business. And we didn't want that kind of pressure. We just wanted the ability to just kind of build this product as we lived our lives. So we actually got jobs out of college and worked our jobs and then built this business on the side. So that was our method of uh, pursuing the business. And in retrospect, I think it was the, the right thing to do. If we were to do it again today, we'd have enough knowledge and experience that we would accelerate that timeline. But I think it was good to take our time that the, you know, doing this the first time around. Fast forward to today, what is the, I guess the, the percentage of of split I guess that you see amongst the users that are in a professional sporting environment or a college system or maybe even a high school system, and then just coaches like myself, so online coaches or personal trainers that have kind of invested in the software to provide a better service for their clients. Like, is it still predominantly sporting teams? Um, yes, but our breakdown looks different now than it did back mm. then. Collegiate and professional, we have marked at 25% of our customer base. 50% of our customer base is going to be actually high schools because there are okay. so many high schools here in the U.S. Yeah. So that is team-based. But then our fastest growing segment is going to be coaches like you. 25% are gyms, private facilities, personal trainers. They kind of come in all shapes and sizes, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of label themselves differently. But that's our fastest growing part. And I think it's because in the, the private sector of fitness, the non-team-based sector, um, their training is looking more and more like the team-based training, uh, yeah. using more traditional performance athletic based movements and programs yeah it's funny you mentioned that it kind of brings you on to the next point is particularly here in australia obviously as you would know like our our school system in regards to sport like high school and and obviously university here as well which is the equivalent of college in the states is like fucking non-existent when we talk about yeah. strength and, and conditioning and 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 even like when you look at the programming and stuff that goes into professional sporting teams and elite sporting teams, it's, it's just try, trying to catch up now. And you, know, you look at the private sector coaches in Australia that are doing quite well and that are, are relaying the right message. It's 
you can see it starting to change. But I, have you noticed, like, is it, have you noticed a trend at all in regards to the signups you're getting from Australian coaches and, and then the, the teams that are using it here for the right reasons now? Yeah, I, I do. I notice, um, I notice the way the gyms, especially uh, how they frame themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not afraid to use the term strength and conditioning in their yep. gym. And here in the States, um, you don't get that as much. I, I, think, I think it stems from here in the States. Um, if you were a young athlete, say in, in high school, um, if you were good at your sport, you were allowed to excel at that sport. If you are not good at that sport, then you were not. Um, mm-hmm. We don't necessarily in the States have a sport for all mentality. It's more like if you're elite, you can move up. Yes. So what, that do, what that's done is historically with our fitness, our, our general population fitness, is it's, it's a different genre of fitness than athletic performance fitness. Yeah. And I think in Australia, I, I've seen a less of a delineation between the two. Strength and conditioning or athletic-based fitness is for everyone and sport is for everyone. So yes, I have seen more gyms in Australia be more conducive to our software than the gyms here in the U.S. I see more variety here in the U.S. Uh, I see a lot more studio and franchise-based fitness here in mm-hmm. the U.S., Australia, I see a lot more small businesses that are focused on their customers. Yeah. Um, so I specifically prefer our the way our business takes place in Australia. Now, Australia is also, you know, less than 10% of the population of the U.S. So I don't know if we're necessarily going to make, um, you know, a living only serving Australia, but it is my, what I think is an ideal market. Yeah. Mm. What's been the, uh, what's been the most surprising country that you've had a, a sign up? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think I had a personal trainer from Beirut sign up. Okay. And he's a rugby guy who learned a little strength and conditioning, and then he went back to Beirut uh, in Lebanon and, and started training some folks. And you know what? I didn't expect that to happen. But. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, you guys would see a lot of data behind the programming. Like I'm assuming from your end, you can go, you can actually see, like if you really wanted to, you could go into my account and see the programming that's been placed for, for the people that are using yeah. the accounts and stuff like that. So something that I really like about Team Builder, especially on the website, for those that haven't been on the site, I'll obviously have the links in the show notes, but the educational side as well, like the the fact that you guys are doing blogs on, on, on ways to program and there's even templates in there in the software for people to use and kind of build off and and start to understand. I think, um, you know, typically you see with personal trainers, like I'm a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach, but more often than not with a PT, you're kind of seeing thoughtless programming that like nothing, no, no planning goes into it. There's no actual thought behind the exercises and movements. Whereas I, what I love about the team builder app is even now, like I'll sit down on a, uh, on a Sunday and plan out, you know, one of my, my programs I use the app for is like a daily workouts program, which is pretty much my programming, which people follow along with. Mm. And just like sitting down and actually putting thought to the programming every single week and, and looking at ways we can change things up and different movements and different exercises. I think that's, um, that can only be a benefit. And uh, I think the app does such a, such a good job of that and the blogs and stuff. Have you had good feedback in regards to the educational side of stuff? Yeah, we have. I think that we have to credit the people that we sought out when we built our software. Um, 
we, we didn't just go out to any PT or person that we knew. I, I think we, we prioritized understanding what made a quality strength coach hmm. and, and, and taking their method, their methodology, and then making sure our software was accommodating that method. And um, we start finding out more and more about how there's a method behind programming, good programming. Mm-hmm. And um, it was important for us to kind of consult those, those people first. Is that something that you still kind of do to this day? Like are you still kind of in touch like with, with certain strength coaches and, and like what's, are you just getting customer feedback to things that you can continue to progress the app with in the software with to, to make it more user-friendly or, or to continue to advance the ways that, that coaches and trainers can program on the app? Yeah, in fact, that, that's not even necessarily the problem. We have so many customers now and a lot of them are just really high quality coaches with great ideas we don't have a shortage of feedback mm-hmm. um, or resources of coaches that we can go to for um, uh, opinions about how to shape our future product development. The, the trouble becomes filtering, right? Um, even the most talented strength coach, uh, experienced strength coach might have some very unique method. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that we can't take a very unique method of an individual and then apply that to scale for everyone. We have to think very utilitarian about how we implement features, what features or um, changes can we make that benefit the most people that make the most sense in the biggest content possible. That's our challenge. And do you have like, do you have a, uh, I guess a goal or, or a direction that you're wanting it to head in? Like you, would you prefer the team of the rap to continue to stay in that sporting environment and team environment where it's being programmed for athletes and, and teams, or, or are you happy for it to go wherever it kind of, it ends up going? That, that's a really, really good question. That, that's like one of the, the fundamental questions that's being asked in our most important strategic meetings as a company. So I think it's really cool that you asked that. At the moment, um, I truly believe that there are enough, there's enough functionality that can be built that will equally serve the team-based strength coach as well mm-hmm. as the personal trainer and the private sector coach equally as well. Um, I think there's a lot of room for features that will benefit both. Um, up until this date, I think a lot of companies in our space, uh, especially here in the U.S., have kind of focused on one sector or the other, um, yeah. even focused like even more intensely on, say, just PTs or just gyms. And that's fine. I think that's a very viable business model, but I'm just not necessarily interested in in focusing and specializing uh, because of the belief that I do think there's a lot of things that can be built that can benefit the whole industry as a whole. At some point, we might run into, uh, you know, maybe we might run into a situation where we think, hey, you know, maybe it is time to specialize. I don't know what we'll do when when we're there, um, but I tell you what, I like the private sector. I mean, team-based sports are great. That's how we've kind of come up as a company. But I think the, the problems to solve in the team and, and the uh, private sector space, the gym, PT, facilities yeah. space, I think are really interesting to me because they're, they're business, they're true business opportunities where the team-based you know, area. It's pretty are, straight are really narrow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of unique in and of itself. And you're working with budgets and you're working with people who control budgets who just sometimes are not that interested in strength and conditioning and that could be frustrating yeah. as well. Definitely. Yeah. That, that, again, that leads me into the next um, thing I was going to ask is what, what are some of the difficulties or challenges that you guys are, are facing at the moment? Like, is it 
you know, the feedback that, you, that the people wanting fun, the features or functions that are on the app? Is it things like that where it may be inconsistent with the teams, the, the teams that are using it because of that, the fact that, it, that may be the first thing that gets cut when, when teams are given budgets and things like that? Or what's like a day-to-day kind of challenge you guys are facing at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge on the sales side um, is that the, the, there's actually two sales going on. If, if our salespeople sit down with a coach and do a demo, um, we win that sale. We have a really good product. We have a really good price. We've been proven over a decade. Um, that's not, that's not the, the real sale going on. The real sale happens when the strength coach, the practitioner has to turn around to someone else within the organization and yeah. then sell team builder within the budget. And, and we don't have a lot of um, stake in that conversation uh, because you know, we're, we're not involved. But I think one of our, our challenges that we're trying to solve is how, how can we prepare the people who sit down for our demo to then turn around and effectively sell what they like okay. to yeah. a higher power and administrator. That's a challenge on the sales side. Uh, here um, with team-based sports. The challenges on the private sector side is just a variety that you get. We get so much variety in terms of, uh, you know, what a PT business looks like, what the mm. gym is trying to look like and what the facility is looking like, what their demands are, what's important to them. <laughs> you know, it's hard to have a singular product and then have all these different scenarios and then you know, yeah. you don't have to try to talk everyone into thinking you're the right solution. Oftentimes you say, look, I don't think we are the best solution, but it is tough to just see that variety in terms of what people want or need. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, that that is super interesting. And and what's the uh, like? Where do you guys hope to take this? I mean, like, what's the, what's the goal? I mean, do you, I don't know if you're able to give a rough idea of kind of users at the moment and, and where you're hoping to get it to or something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question too because um, what you see sometimes with a technology company like ours is they they might want to partner with or or merge with other technology companies and mm-hmm. and they want to leverage each other's technologies to help each other. I think that's that's you know perfectly fine for us to to do something like that. Um, I, the, the only problem is is I don't necessarily love a lot of other technology companies that operate in our space. Okay. Um, you know, so um, I, I don't know what's next for us. We I, I don't think James and I are are, are actually very um, like focused on what our company's future looks like in conjunction with other companies. We really don't care that much. Yeah. I think we kind of have this mentality you hear it sometimes in Japanese business culture, which is, you know, built for a hundred years. Can we build our company so that it's around even after we die? We want team builder to be a very sustainable company. We don't want to take any risks yep. that kind of make our, our, our company successful or failed. You know, we don't want to do anything like that. So um, I, I think the future of the company is, is that, we have a lot of room to build a lot of cool features and functionality. So as long as we're in business to be able to take to, to build that, then we'll be in good shape. And that's it from there. We'll see what happens. That's awesome. Well, I mean, this is, this is definitely something I should have 
brought up at the start of our start of our chat. But for someone, like for a coach that's listening at the moment, whether it be in a team environment or, or a personal trainer, are you able to give a very brief overview of like the functionality of the app and what that's going to allow them to do? And I mean, it can go in so many different directions here. But um, like I said, probably should have <laughs> I probably should have said this at the start, but. Yeah, just something to give someone an idea of exactly what functions they're kind of receiving and how they can utilize that in their business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you sit down on Team Builder to write a program, you can write one training program for 100 people at once, or you can individualize your training programs for your individual clients or athletes. From there, they can access the programs on their mobile app. They'll get very specific instructions on video demos, on load, uh, you know, what loads to, to lift. And then the coach also collects all this feedback, both quantitative and qualitative. So you can get a workout log of what they did quantitatively, but clients and athletes can also record themselves via video and then you're storing video of athletes so you can see their, their movement quality over time. The idea is that it all takes place in the, in the same place, right? Team builders, web-based and accessible. So instead of messing around with a lot of spreadsheets or these you know, mm. different tools, you have one home station, whether you train 10 people or a thousand people, You've got one place, all the data is there, everything is in one place. Um, and that keeps things really, really convenient uh, for a practitioner. Yeah, and I think something that I love about the the app for the user's point of view is that there, there's no cost on their end. I mean, they're getting such a, a good quality service on, you know, thanks to their coach or their trainer or, or their, their club or whatever, which really does. I mean, the big, some of the biggest problems that we see in like the health and fitness industry, particularly when it comes to trainers and their clients getting results is just no measurable progress. It's just like slapping together a session and making sure the heart rate's up and they're sweating and, and the client thinks they've had a good session. But all of a sudden when you're tracking, your, your, you're overloading your workouts each week, you're tracking your compound movements or you've got a set program right in front of you where you can track your weights and your reps. And like you said, that um, the, the quantitative data of, of like whether or not you're actually making progress and makes such a big difference and can be a huge driving factor as well for the, for the client when that's right in front of them and they can see how they've progressed over the previous weeks and, and things like, I think it makes such a big difference. I, I you know, this is something I had to learn on my own. Um, as an athlete in college, it was kind of done for you, right? Mm-hmm. You're coach kind of tracking things for you and you just had to show up and be a robot and, and do what you were told. But once I left college and I was working out kind of on my own training, um, I realized that you have to be really conscious of your of your training program. Uh, mm. You know, progressive overload is very incremental and subtle, but it makes a difference. You have to pay attention. Um, I, me, myself, personally, I sometimes still use pen and paper in the gym uh, as I write down every little number. Yep. On every exercise and sometimes I find myself without that, that paper without the workout and I feel like I'm missing out on some intent in the weight room because yep. I might do the same weight as last week or I might be guessing what weight and um, I know that's not as it's not as effective um, so being very you know very focused and conscious of what you're doing in the weight room for every movement quality of movement plus you know the specificity and the load that you choose for yourself mm-hmm. or your coach chooses for you that's what that's kind of what makes the difference in an effective program or not an effective program and and how much return you get on your investment from your time spent in the gym yeah one hundred percent and this 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 next question i guess is it, again it's very broad and, and as you touched on before, depending on what coach you're talking to methods and 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 the foundations of people's training changes a lot from person to person but 
when we talk about, uh, you know, most Australians probably aren't playing American football, but when we talk about, um, you know, NFL and, and college football and stuff, what have you seen like a trend in the way, say, like an in-season programming is is placed throughout the year in regards to like a training split, like for, for the athlete in-season? Because it's something that I talk a lot about, and I know this is pretty specific, specific, but um, athletes typically that, that aren't as educated on the topic, once they get to the season, all of a sudden that, that strength work that they've done throughout the off-season becomes non-existent and they're just doing all this lightweight, high-rep crap during the season and that often leads to injuries because it's like use it or lose it. They're not... They no longer yeah. need that that strength in the central nervous system drops right off. So what does that kind of, like from your perspective, what does that kind of look like or are there any trends that you've kind of noticed? Yeah, what I've noticed specifically in American football is less emphasis on the intensity and contact during practice. And that I think has made room for um, higher, like more volume in season. Okay. Um, so... I think some really smart coaches to their credit at some point thought to themselves, well, you know, why do we have to, um, why do we have to imitate game intensity and contact physical contact during the practice week when we should be working on the skill based aspects. And that's, I think empowered coaches to, to maintain a little bit more volume during mm -hmm. the, the season. Um, it's and, almost like a very micro cycle periodization really, isn't it? It's like not turning yeah. up every day, hoping to, to, to peak it's like building your way into the into the game day yeah that's right you know I think about the New England Patriots a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl I think they were squatting around 90 percent of their back squat maxes and during the playoffs and yeah, okay. I think you know coaches really take this minimum uh, minimal effective dose minimum effective dose mm -hmm. uh, concept to heart um, I want to keep my athletes stronger or possibly get them stronger if, if I'm allowed to, but only doing it using the minimum effective dose. So, you know, if that means 20 reps, my, my athletes can handle 20 reps of back squat, whether I go at that by four by five or yep. five by four, or you pick the rep scheme, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter at that point, but can I have them accumulate a little bit since I'm a, if I, if they can afford that, then I think coaches are really thinking smartly about that in American football. What do I have to work with in terms of gas in the tank? And then whatever, whatever I have, don't exceed it, don't get greedy, but like don't leave any gas on the table. So I, I, I think it's come a long way. American football doesn't have the best reputation, especially worldwide, historically. I think they've been good at historically producing strength results. But it's also been the sport that's kind of been, you know, ignorant of some other aspects of performance. And I think that's starting to change. I've met a lot of American football coaches who've, who've taken some really good concepts to heart. I think the end season one we just talked about is a good example yeah. of that. Have you got any NBA teams using the, the app? We do, yeah. yeah NBA teams typically tend to have a more international demographic as far as their performance teams go. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with the NBA, obviously, for anyone who follows the NBA, is the fact that the there's just no time to recover. Like it'd be, mm -hmm. I'd be interesting to, I'd be really interested to see like what their, their mm -hmm. sessions, if any, to, to be honest, really are looking like during a season when you got 82 games plus playoffs and you're flying in and out of cities, you know, every second day and you're just trying to make sure you're ready to suit up for the game, let alone go in and do a big session. I would assume a lot of it would be prehab rehab type stuff throughout the season. Surely. Yeah, it's one of those things where monitoring is important, I think, because they're monitoring for opportunities. Yeah. Um, 
do I have an opportunity to apply a little bit of stress to this athlete so I can get some? And uh, that's based on you know, participation in the game, for instance. Yeah, you know, yeah. If an athlete doesn't doesn't yep. play a lot of minutes, then the strength coach is probably licking their chops, and they can yeah. have to probably do you know three by five and, and push the staff. So you know, there's a good friend of mine who who doesn't live far from me. He's a coach with the Denver Nuggets, and yep. they're doing exceptionally well this year. Um, he, he's very good about being open. I think he'd be a good guest for your podcast because uh, yeah. he he and his 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 uh, you know head strength coach. I think I've done a good job about thinking of this, you know, where are my opportunities to dose my athletes? And then there's another criteria in the NBA. You know, these players are, some of them have been around a long time, longer than the coaches. Mm -hmm. It's less about what can I write for them? It's more about what can I get them to do? You know, um, it's, it's more of a relationship game than it is just, here's my program. Let's go do it together. It's it's interesting like that. It's kind of like a power dynamic. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, good luck. Uh, go good luck shooting LeBron a text and saying, "Hey, man, get in the gym and do this." You'd be like, "Fuck, no yeah. chance, man." <laughs> and there's plenty of guys who played in the NBA ten years plus. If you've been coaching at the same team in the NBA ten years plus, that's like unheard of, you know? Yeah. But to have a ten year career in the NBA is is impressive. So. There's just players that have been around longer than you, and that's different than college. It's different than a, a gym, a mm-hmm. private facility. So I think it's always interesting to talk to those coaches to hear what it's like. You know, how, how can you be a good coach when the, one of the most important aspects is just getting a player to participate and buy into what you're selling them? You know, that's, that's like yeah. a human dynamic. And that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a, on a much smaller scale, kind of. Uh, yeah. A much smaller scale, the same for personal trainers. Like, you know, for me to go, cause this is what I talk about a lot with my clients and even on the podcast is like mm-hmm. typically when you start out in the gym or if you've come from a group fitness cardio based background, you think that you need to go into the gym and leave feeling like you've just been to war, like every single session and be drenched in sweat. Whereas it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's hard to get that buy-in, but I think with the app, it's a lot easier when you're able to show, you know, firsthand a client say, Hey, look, four weeks ago, we did, you know, three sets of pull-ups and you got three, three and two. Now, you know, four weeks in, we're doing three sets of six or seven or whatever. Like, that's where you can get that buy-in with the actual data behind it. Yeah. It makes yeah. it a lot easier. I believe it. I, you know, that that's performance-based training, right? We use mm. numbers to, yeah. to to prove our work. Um, you know, not to, to, to knock on anyone, but, like, there's a gym in my area locally that I, I go to sometimes just to, to check it out. And um, it's junk food fitness, junk food fitness. This was a, a term coined by a coach that I had on my podcast who's you know, really brilliant. Yeah. Junk food makes you feel really good as you're eating it, right? <laughs> yeah. You're doing a soul killing workout and you get that endorphin rush right afterwards. You, you feel like you're, you like it, right? Just like when you eat junk food, that was yeah. amazing. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to accumulate over time to be detrimental. You know, yeah. it, it, the extras, if you do... Uh, a, an exercise or a, a set of exercises frequently that can be harmful to you. You know, if, if we know that humans are quad dominant, every time we come to this gym, they're making us do quad dominant exercises. Yep. of just exacerbating a physiological imbalance. So um, that that's kind of the battle for personal trainers is, is if they want to be a high quality strength coach, they kind of have to be able to speak through some of the industry's junk food being fed to people. Yeah. And uh, it's also an opportunity. It's a skill I think personal trainers have to learn, but it's also an opportunity to, you know, like a, another friend of mine who I called and, and talked to about this gym that I went to, 
he's doubling his gym size. And he told me at the end of the conversation, he said, see, gyms like the one you're talking about helps me sleep at night because I know that even though I'm going to step up into a bigger lease, there's plenty of gyms out there that are going to send some people my way, whether they know yeah. it or not. <laughs> Referrals. Yeah. 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 But, um, well, there's something I was going to touch on before we kind of wrap things up. Oh yeah. The, have you seen many, um, I think something that I think is, is beneficial inside the app as well for a coach or a trainer for their clients is, um, prescribing like movements instead of specific exercises and giving the, the client the freedom, which is what I like inside the app as well, giving them the freedom to choose. So maybe, yeah. you know, like a vertical uh, press or a horizontal pull or whatever, and then giving them the freedom to go through and, and choose their exercise instead of just doing the same shit over and over again, which is again, something super important for clients and coaches to, to understand is that it's about movements, not like exercise. I mean, the chest doesn't know that you, you get a barbell doing a bench press and knows that there's a, a stimulus that's been yeah. uh, provided to the muscle and it needs to either adapt or not. Yeah. I look, some really smart coaches years and years ago came to us and said, Hey, you know, there's a lot of merit to, to programming choice, athlete choice and exercise selection, uh, more buy-in, more participation across the board is a better result for our program than it is to force everyone to do the same kind of set of movements. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, some people just like uh, doing dumbbell bench press as opposed to barbell bench press yeah. or, you know, something versus not. I thought it was brilliant. We built something in place where coaches can categorize their exercises and then program a category as, a, as opposed okay, to programming yeah. a specific exercise. So if I'm an athlete and I see that I've got five by five of something, I can pick whatever it is, yep. right? Front squat, back squat, you know, whatever variation. Um, as long as I get five by five in. For a coach, um, you know, if there's a lot of, if they can get more people participating and yep. buying into the program because of that choice, I thought it was brilliant. So yeah, we built that functionality in and I think it's, I think it's sweet stuff. I, I like that idea. 100%, yeah, so do I, so do I. Um, Look, Hewitt, before we wrap it up, the, the last thing I wanted to mention to, to actually ask about is is throughout COVID, I mean, obviously it's still hanging around, but when it hit really hard um, last year, like how did you guys respond? Like, did you see a big drop off or did you see a big stall in, in signups or were you surprised or um, and yeah. also, like, what, did, what was your kind of approach to the whole thing in regards to the business side of things? Well, I, like a lot of people, we were surprised. Um, you know, we should have known better, I think, that, that something was going to happen. So, but, you know, a lot of businesses were unprepared and, and we were no different. Our benefit is that um, we're a small company. So we were able to quickly adjust and kind of understand what, what things were changing. And what we saw were uh, a lot of gyms and brick and mortar facilities uh, do a free trial of team, team Builder, understanding that getting programming out to people on their phones was priority number one. Mm. So we, we saw a lot of uptick in business from the private sector side and people trying to, to evolve their business model. Uh, on the contrary, we saw a lot of colleges kind of struggle because uh, college budgets are correlated to enrollment. And if enrollment goes if okay. down, then their budgets go down. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was a kind of a strange year that was a net positive for us. I think one net positive for us as a company was that we, we actually made ourselves permanently remote. So we kind of dissolved our physical office space and we, okay. we, we kind of learned how to work as a remote company. 
And it was weird at first, but I think it ended up working like positively for us because everyone kind of became more productive. And then we kind of adjusted our culture. It was a hard adjustment not seeing each other face to face, but then eventually we kind of got over that and everyone kind of created a, a, a more optimal life for themselves. Take the commute out of people's day, right? Yeah. So you can be as productive as you want in the car and listen to a podcast every time you go to the office. Yeah. It doesn't take away from the fact that you spend an hour in the car every day, yeah. five days a week. 20 days a month. That's mm. a lot of hours that people get back. So we gifted our time back to the employees and we gifted them the ability to move within, within the country. People took advantage of that, myself included. And that was like a blessing in disguise. So I think we have a more productive company now than we did before COVID. That'll stay, that'll stay permanent? I think so. Yeah. I just don't see us coming back. I, it would feel like it would feel like a regressive okay. um, move to ask people to move back and, and resume the commute just so we could be in the office together. Mm. Um, if it doesn't make us more productive, why would we ask that of people? Why would so you, yeah. I don't think we'll do it. I don't think we'll yeah. do it. Oh, fantastic. Well, it sounds like there's plenty of positives that come out of it, uh, out of, out of the last year anyway. And I mean, obviously it's still hanging around, but I think, it, yeah, definitely in regards to the online side of things, you saw a lot of scramble in the, the private sector of those that were probably behind the eight ball um, mm. uh, a little bit um, in regards to having an online presence and being able to deliver their programming outside of face-to-face. So I think that's only going to be a positive for any software online for, to do with training and, and, uh, and fitness, really. I think so. I think it accelerated um, what a lot of businesses probably had to do eventually. It accelerated mm-hmm. the process probably invites more competitors to the space. Um, and that's not a bad thing either. Uh, I think competition is good yeah. for the space, the fact that we have competitors. So um, I think, you know, COVID is definitely an unfortunate event. I think the lack of human contact is really unfortunate. But if we want to look at silver linings, I think it did a lot for technology-based businesses. I think it did a lot for brick-and-mortar-based businesses to reevaluate how they do business. Yeah, like a serious audit of what's, uh, what's working and what's not. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, Hewitt, thanks so much for your time, man. Um, super appreciative um, of the chat today. It's been really fun. And I mean, for anybody who's tuned in, it's particularly coaches and, and trainers out there, if you haven't tried Team Builder before, I'd highly recommend it. Um, for any of my clients, you you already know what it is, but uh, um, it's been an enjoyable chat, man. And hopefully we can do another one at some point, uh, sometime in the future. Um, I'll make sure I have all the links to to your socials and the and the website and everything in in the show notes below. So um, again, man, thank you so much. Yeah, look, thanks for having me on. I I like doing these things, and I especially like doing them with customers, and I especially like doing them with customers in Australia for reasons I explained earlier. So thanks for having me on pleasure guys uh whoever's tuned into today's episode would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and post it up in your story for us tag myself tag team builder uh, we'd love to get your feedback um again thanks so much man and uh hope everybody that's tuned in has a fantastic day you too see you around